every name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. As we are standing, we can go to the word of the Lord. Um, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, we are uh, nearing the end of uh, the series. We're talking about uh, holiness and living unto the Lord. Uh, Hebrews 12 and 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. And uh, skipping back to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, I believe this is the foundation uh, scripture uh, for uh, holiness in the New Testament. Wraps it all up in one or two verses here. What? Uh, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. So upon that, uh, those verses, we can build in the uh, uh, standards of holiness in the New Testament. And because uh, people like to get, uh, you know, uh, like to divide hairs about this, uh, and if, you, if we want to separate Old Testament, New Testament, that's fine, but from the New Testament, that's what we're launching from, and in Hebrews, following holiness and peace. Amen. So turn to a few people, greet them as you're seated this evening. Amen. I like to uh, put out a, a disclaimer uh, when teaching about uh, holiness. How it uh, it is a standard that is is upheld by the apostolic uh, believers, and it's we don't push it on anybody new to the church. We don't really try to push it on anybody because if 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 you're hungry enough, you're going to draw close to God and, and God will work on you and and convict you and, and work in your life. Uh, and so obviously anyone that is just listening tonight for the first time, uh, this is obviously part six. And so you want to uh, uh, start with part one to understand everything. Uh, you can easily... Uh, listen to tonight and take everything out of context and uh, derive a, a, an idea or belief about uh, this. But you can also do that with any verse in the Bible. Just pull a verse out and uh, not paying attention to the context of it. And you can misinterpret that one verse. And you can use that verse to do whatever you want. Uh, and so obviously tonight's part six uh, and so this is, these uh, ways of holiness that we are Studying and seeing what the Bible talks about, uh, because it's more than just uh, being born of the water and of the Spirit. But we have to continue living uh, until the Lord is done with us, and so that is uh, a lot longer than our born again experience. And so that is really the battle is the battle for separation and holiness from this world, uh, because in one service you can be born again. But then you've got another 40, 50, 60 years to live a holy life. And so that's really where the war is. Um, and it's, uh, we do have, uh, you know, we fight against, uh, w with doctrine, we battle with doctrine. But again, uh, the battle uh, of holiness and separation really is where the fight is. Uh, because once, uh, once people surrender fighting for holiness, uh, it's, it's what I have seen through my few years in in this world is people that I've known that and pastors and preachers that I know who 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 stop fighting for separation uh, they're a lot further away from the doctrine than they are uh, when they first began and so there's no there's no verse that talks about uh, you know uh, if you give up uh, standards then you're going to hell. But from what we have seen, at least I can attest with my own life that I've seen these people and, and, and take churches uh, completely far, far than probably they've ever imagined. And they're still on a slippery slope. Uh, and and it, all, it always began, it always begins with holiness. 
That's where it always begins. Uh, and so that's why uh, it's one of those lines, it's one of those battles that we have to uh, reiterate and, and study and to remind ourselves what the Bible does say about it. Because, you know, we, we like hearing uh, good messages and what the Bible says about, all you know, uplifting and, and encouraging things. But if we are to be a, 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 an entire Bible preaching church, it also talks about how to live and how to present ourselves in this world. Even though it was authored uh, way before us, we, uh, we, we try to take it as face value as best we can. Or, and, and there's always principles in there uh, that we can apply to today. As we talked about in the uh, earlier uh, parts of the, ver- uh, of the lesson about the, the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law, the letter of holiness versus the spirit of holiness uh, the Bible doesn't specifically address everything, but uh, the spirit of holiness will speak to you and uh, it will help you apply uh, a standard, a godly standard to whatever comes into your life. And that's what we should be willing and wanting uh, in our lives is, is what, what does God really say about this or what does he feel about it? Uh, again, going back to uh, the, that foundation verse in 1 Corinthians, how our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost and our bodies are not ours. And so, again, that, uh, that affects everything. The, the, way, the, the, the way of the future uh, of governmental control is the way that you control a society is you can control the health. If you can, have, if you can tie everything to their body, then you can, you can have as much control over them as you want. Uh, and so uh, because our bodies are our beings, and if it uh, uh, is, derives from our body or part of our body, then it affects every part of us. Uh, and so so should the Holy Ghost, uh, if we are now the temple of God and God purchased us, uh, purchased our body, and spirit, and so they are not ours. So we have to be now good stewards of what what was once ours, um, but now God has bought it, and He's working on it to restore it, to get make it better. Um, it usually, whenever man gets their hands on something, it doesn't get better. It usually ends up getting worse. And so, if we just let God uh, keep His hands uh, on our lives. Uh, and follow and listen to what he has to say because he is the potter. He is the, he is the, the molder of, of the clay, right? And, and we are the clay. He is the potter. Uh, and so on that wheel, if we allow him and, and we listen to him and allow him to do what he wants to do, it, we're going to be better off in the end. Uh, and uh, so that is what we've been talking about. And last week we talked about uh, uh, dress, uh, how we uh, clothe ourselves uh, in a modest and uh, a way, biblical way that uh, is uh, distinctive of, of a man and a woman. Um, and, and so it's not just what we think it is uh, because we saw that with Adam and Eve. They thought they can dress themselves, but God uh, said, no, that's, that's, you're, not, you're not doing good enough. And so he clothed them. And so, uh, you know, men, uh, women... Uh, we see the distinction in Bible how men and women wore, uh, uh, they may have wore the same similar things, but they wore it differently because uh, a man would gird up his loins and, and make breeches, we talked about, uh, breeches or trousers or uh, pants, uh, modern day vernacular, but the, woman's, the women were, were not uh, permitted to do such things. And so uh, that is why uh, we still hold to the d- distinction of uh, women wear dresses below the knee and men wear, uh, men wear pants. And we're just uh, aligning ourselves with the, uh, the, the signs on the bathrooms because that's what, it's, it's what it seems. It's what they're showing too. So, hey, hey, I work, that's, that's preaching right there. But, uh, uh, and so that's what uh, we, we do. And, again, this is for... Uh, Seasoned saints, we should. Uh, this shouldn't be an issue for us. We should strive for this uh, holiness standards, and uh, because it is more than just uh, the Bible, but we are living epistles, as as Paul says, and so we are to be. We are being read. We are being looked at. 
uh, and we are a salt and a light in this world. And believe it or not, as even the Bible says, man looks on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. We know that, but uh, the first uh, contact we have with other people is uh, they look at our appearance. And so we want to represent ourselves as a, a good, uh, godly uh, individual. But more than that, we are representing the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why? Because he's our Savior and we, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are a church. Uh, we are a, a tabernacle, a temple. This vessel houses the most powerful spirit. And so it should be, it should emanate from us. Uh, and so uh, the way that we stand out is just being a, a modest person, and we're going to stand out from this world and ever the more so each day that passes. And so it is important to what we wear and how we wear it. Uh, and so uh, we see even this in, in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 9 and verse 3. It says, When the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon in the house that he had built, and the meat of his table, the, the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel. He noticed, she noticed what they were wearing. His cupbearers also, and their apparel. Uh, his uh, ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. She, she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in mine own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom, and howbeit I believed not their words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, uh, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me, for thou uh, exceedest the fame that I heard. Happy are thy men and happy are thy servants, which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. Uh, and so after seeing all that, what does she say? Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighteth in thee to set thee on his throne, to be king for the Lord thy God, because thy God loved Israel to establish them forever. Therefore he made thee king over them to do judgment and justice. And so the queen of Sheba obviously was uh, a pagan from a pagan country. She didn't uh, serve and, and worship Jehovah as far as we can tell. But after being, uh, being there and seeing all of this, um, and even the servants, what they wore, that spoke a message to her. It's because a, the king's glory was manifested, was made known by simply by what his servants are wearing. So whatever his servants are wearing, however they look, what their apparel is, how they dress, speaks to their master. It's a testament of, of who they serve and who they are following and who they are living under. Uh, and so don't tell me that the, the way that we dress is not important. It is because it is a testament, a direct testament to who our king is. And, and so how we present ourselves is going to bring glory or shame to our God. And here this pagan queen saying, blessed be the Lord thy God. I saw his servants and what they were wearing. Uh, I can tell that God is... Blessed be the God of, of, uh, of Israel. Uh, here this pagan queen is, is praising God because of what she saw and even comes down to the impact that the servants, what they were wearing. And so how much more uh, should we have or do we have an impact in this world if we are filled with the Holy Ghost? Um, and we are servants of God, and so everything that we do, do all in the name of the Lord, and that includes how we act and, and what we say and what we do and how we look. And, 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 and even down to our apparel sends a message uh, about our faith and our, and our trust and in the one whom we serve. And, and so uh, clothing is uh, one of those things that just... Uh, uh, we notice first. Uh, and so we want people to look at us and uh, tell that we are different and we stand out from the world. Why? Because we are called out from this world to be separate, uh, sanctified and set apart for his purpose because we are a servant of the Lord. Um, and, and so uh, it comes down to that. Even, even when we get to heaven, the way that we are uh, identified 
is by what, what we're wearing. So apparel is, a, is, is important down here, but also uh, it stands out in heaven. It's a descriptive in heaven. We see a Revelation 4.4, 4, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats, uh, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raining, and they had on their heads uh, crowns of gold. And so it describes what they, uh, they were wearing, their clothes. Uh, Revelation 7 and 9, after this I beheld and lo a great multitude uh, which no man could number of all nations, kindred and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb and it goes on to say what they were wearing, clothed in white robes and palms in their hands. Uh, and so in, it, it, in Revelation 19 and 14, and the armies which were in heaven followed, upon him, uh, uh, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And so even heavenly saints are identified by what they're wearing. And so uh, surely if, uh, if they're... Uh, their apparel in heaven has taken notice, then surely we, we should take notice to our apparel down here uh, as we are representatives of, of the Lord and Savior. And, but we see in, uh, again, this is uh, talking about holiness, is probably most churches don't talk about this, uh, non-apostolic churches, hopefully all apostolic churches do, but uh, most, uh, I would assume, probably don't uh, talk about this. Why? Because it's, uh, you know, probably people don't want to hear that. They just want to hear, how do I get to heaven? And uh, that's, that's all I need to hear. Um, but uh, we see that this is, a, you know, a, like an, an apostate spirit that's going to be in these last days where uh, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. They, well, you, want, you want to get close to it because you, gotta, you, you can't reject the truth, and so you want to be, uh, you want to kind of look the part, but you're really, uh, there's something missing and that is a good part of that could be standards and holiness and a whole lot of other things. But we see in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 4 and 1, it says, And in that day uh, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread, and we will wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name, so we can take away our reproach. Some people say this is uh, indicative of uh, churches in the last days uh, and how they're going to come to the truth or Jesus and saying, you know, we're going to, we, you know, we'll feed ourselves, we'll dress how we want to dress, but only, only let us be called by thy name because we know your name takes away our sin, takes away our reproach, but that's all we're here for. We're only here to get to heaven. We're not here for anything else. We'll dress ourselves and we'll feed ourselves, but only let us be called by your name. Let us get baptized in your name, and, uh, and that's all I'm signing up. I'm not signing up to follow any other kind of uh, holy biblical standards uh, because we'll take care of that ourselves, but we cannot take away our reproach, so therefore only l just let us uh, use your name, Lord. So that we can think that we are uh, taking away our sins uh, by your name uh, and let us go and just kind of do whatever we want to do. Jesus uh, addresses this in Matthew 7, saying how in that day many will come to me and saying, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out devils and do all this great wonderful works in your name? Uh, and what did he say? Uh, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Somebody's using the name of Jesus, but they're, obviously the worker of iniquity means you, you're doing whatever you want to do. Uh, and so how that lines up with Isaiah 4, how it's say, we're, we're going to do whatever we want to do, only let us be called by your name uh, because we know we have to do that. And really, if you uh, deep down, do they, you know, it's probably like, uh, I, I guess we have to do this because if, if we have to identify, we have to line ourselves up with this part of the scripture, but, uh, you know, everything else will not worry about it. Uh, and so how... how uh, Evident is that in these last days where so many churches are just singing unto God and uh, singing and baptizing in Jesus' name, but, uh, uh, but, but 
where's all the rest of the living for God? They want his name, but they don't want everything else that the Bible talks about. Uh, and so we can't cher- you can't cherry pick the word of God. Uh, many of those people are probably going to have a wake-up call on that day where they say, well, God, we did all this in your name, but uh, we, we've decided to feed ourselves and wear our own apparel, whatever we wanted to do. We're not submitting. We're not signing up to uh, submit to uh, 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 godly standards of living because we're not interested in that. Who 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 would not be interested in, in escaping hell and going to heaven? Every 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 seven eight billion people you ask, do you want? Would you rather go to a, a paradise or would you, would you rather burn in hell for eternity? I, I'm pretty soon, uh, certain that I'm probably a hundred percent, nearly a hundred percent of people would say, yeah, let's go to paradise. But it's more it's more than that. And it's more than uh, uh, taking the name of Jesus and putting it on your life and thinking that that's going to get you uh, into heaven because uh, obviously as we've been talking, we're, we're in the sixth part of this series about just living a, a holy and righteous life. It, 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 start, it covers a lot of things in our everyday life. And if we're, not, uh, if we're not looking for it, we can easily, or we don't want to look for it, we can easily just skip over it and act like in ignorance and, and say, well, I don't really know what's in there. But the Bible says that there was a one point uh, 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 God winked at ignorance, but not anymore. And so we all have to rightly divide the word, and uh, we are all have to work out our own salvation, which goes far beyond the Acts 2.38 experience uh, and so uh, continue to live and present ourselves a living sacrifice. And so um, uh, moving on from uh, our apparel, uh, talking about apostolic lifestyle and living, got to talk about the, uh, the apostolic uh, hair in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, because that is obviously one identifier of an apostolic woman is is her hair, um, and so First Corinthians eleven says, "Be followers of me, even as I am also of Christ." We like people know about that verse, right? Uh, so why don't we follow him? Uh, why do people follow him through the rest of this chapter? Or they just like take that verse and say, "Hey, I'm following Paul as he followed Christ." Well, let's listen to what Paul has to say. Uh, it says, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them unto you. He's obviously teaching doctrine and standards to them, telling them to keep them. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Uh, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Uh, And so for a man indeed ought to not cover his head for as much as he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. And so for the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. And so neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge in yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Do not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. Uh, But if a woman have long hair, it is a a glory unto her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. And so you kind of, you kind of have to, uh, the first, you know, 14 verses or, or, or so talking about the covering and uncovered and, and, and shaven shorn you may not understand it doesn't really speak it out but uh, once you get to verse 14 and 15 where he, he op- unlocks the, the, the keys to it all where uh, uh, long hair on a man is a shame and 
uh, long hair is a, her glory and is given to her for a covering. Then now that you know that he's talking about long hair and short hair, you go and re, you plug that back in to the first 13 chap, or verses, and it gives you an understanding of what he's talking about. Uh, and, and so, um, uh, obviously, uh, uh, uncut uh, hair is is given to a woman for her glory. Um, long hair, uh, every every woman has different length of hair, uh, and so you can't you can't get down to the letter and say it has to be so and so long because a woman's hair may not grow that long. But every woman can have uncut hair. Every woman can have that, and so uh, if if a woman's long hair, uncut hair, is goes to her shoulders. If she's never cut it, then that's her long hair. If another one goes to her, her knees or ankles, that's that's her long hair. The, the 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 defining factor is whether it's cut or ununcut, shave or shorn, and and so um, uh, he it goes back in verse six. If a woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But it's shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven. Let her be covered. And so if it's if it's trimmed off, you might as well just shave your whole head. There's no difference. Right, Paul says there's no difference between trimming off uh, split ends or whatever whatever the ladies have to deal with, or I don't know, uh, but uh, cutting though, cutting your hair uh, a half an inch, you might as well cut off three foot. Right? There's no difference. We see a difference. We can we can hide hide the piece we cut off, but God's looking at you, man. Look, where'd all your hair go? You're bald now. You know. How, how we, we we think we can fool God sometimes, but uh, you know, uh, if you shave or cut your hair, ladies, you, it, in God's eyes, you just become bald because uh, there's no difference. Uh, and so that is why we, as apostolic uh, men and women, we look into the scriptures. It talks about hair, uh, and and having long hair is her glory. Why would why would you not want have to have glory? Right? Isn't that isn't a glory a good thing? And God says, "Hey, I've built in a glory factory inside of you. Just let your hair glow, grow, and it it glows in your glory." Uh, but yet, uh, even out there, in ninety nine percent of the Christianity out there, you know that half their hair is missing, uh, and so maybe they're not following uh, following Paul as he follows Christ uh, in this verse because it clearly talks about it. Uh, Verse 16, but if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Meaning, uh, talking about a woman praying with her hair, with her head uncovered. Meaning, uh, in the churches of God, there we have no custom where women cut their hair because that means they're uncovered. Uh, and he's, Paul straight up declares that in the churches of God, uh, the women should not be cutting their hair. Uh, and so he's the one who explains this uh, this out, and he says right there, uh, we have no such custom where women uh, pray to God uncovered. Uh, and I know that, uh, you know, people, uh, uh, some women actually believe that's a, a literal covering, so they'll cover their hair with uh, a handkerchief or something. But Paul uh, specifically tells us here in verse 15 that her hair is given to her for a covering. So you, there's no need for uh, a, a literal physical covering because he just said your hair is a covering. Uh, and so uh, that is uh, how we are uh, identified as apostolic women. We're just following scripture, right? Isn't that what Christians do? following the word of God, and so you get to this, and that's something that you have to follow, or choose to follow or not. Uh, and again, it's uh, to somebody on the outside who who looks at a, a holiness church and saying that's a cult and they have all these religious rules and stuff made up, man-made laws, and, and you know, you're condemned to hell if you break them. We're just reading the Bible. Uh, and and I, I think that uh, people are critical in, in, in what they don't understand. And I think if, we, if you sat down and just had a Bible study, this is why we uh, women wear dresses and men wear pants. This is why girl, women don't cut their hair. We're, we're not making this up. We're just finding it in the Bible. And we come across it and find it in the Bible, we have to have a, an answer to that, right? 
Uh, and so uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just all in there. It's just a matter of whether you want to look in there or not. But we're all going to be held accountable to what's in here. So we might as well read it, right? I don't want to find out what uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 11 says on the day of judgment. Uh, when I had a, 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 a pre-release copy down here. Uh, and so uh, we see that um, uh, in a different translation, I don't know if you got it, but the ESV, uh, 1 Corinthians 11:5. but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or to shave her head, let her cover her head. Um, for uh, a man ought to not cover his head since he is the image of the glory of God. Um, verse 10, that is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. So that is where that power, the verse of, of the, the women have power on their head because of the angels uh, is because uh, in the heavens, in the spirit realm, an uncut, uh, a woman's uncut hair is a symbol. It stands out. This, this is, she's obeying scripture. Uh, and just a little uh, a, a demarcation there that uh, this is a this is a godly woman. Here's a sign. Uh, this is going to be a godly woman because she's uh, identifying scripture when uh, 99% of all the other women in the world are are cutting their hair, and so uh, in the heavens, an uncut head is going to really stand out. Um, and, and so, um, so that is where the the power uh, comes from is because. It's demonstrating to God in the heavens and everyone else that uh, this woman is submitting to Scripture, submitting to authority. Uh, and if, if she's doing that, then, then she has access to the power of God, right? Just like if uh, the same thing with men. If men, men we have to be submitted to in uh, all that we do, if we want to have the power uh, of God in our life, we have to be submitted to. And so everyone has to be submitted uh, this, uh, for whatever reason, God has made this as a, a, a symbol on the, for a woman to really stand out, whether she has uh, power with God because of what is on her head. And so, um, skipping down to, uh, yeah, verse 15 is about the same in the ESV, but if a woman has long hair, is it? It is her glory, for her hair is given to her for a covering. So it says the same thing in verse 15. But uh, that's really uh, why uh, we have that as, uh, that's why we live by that. And, and again, I'm speaking to the choir, seasoned saints, we, we know this. Uh, but maybe there's somebody who doesn't know or maybe hearing for the first time online. But uh, regardless, it's always good to go back and revisit these things. Uh, because, uh, you know, it, it could be a while, and uh, we want to stay fresh. I mean, we preach Acts 2.38 as much as we can. We all know that, right? So we should be preaching holiness and all of that as well. Amen. And so uh, that is why we uh, follow uh, after that. Um, it's just simply spelled out there in Scripture. It's nothing, nothing that we... Uh, we're making up on our own. Um, and so, musician, if you would come. And so, if uh, if we, we, we've attested that the, the woman's hair is, there's something supernatural about it. It is a symbol of, of a power and of authority uh, in their life, uh, long, uncut hair. And if, if our hair has that much, if their hair has that much power, then why would we want to mess with it? Why would we want to mess with it? And moving on beyond just the cutting of it. But why would we want to uh, change the color of it? That's another subject. If, if, we, if, if hair is that important in the eyes of God, why would we want to mess with it? And obviously, 
hair dyes is uh, is men and women. There's both men and women, so it's not just a, a woman thing. But uh, there's men hair as well, or hair dye as well. And so, um, if it is that important, why would we want to touch it and change it? Why would we go and get a rental car and and go to the paint shop and and paint a different color and turn it back in? We wouldn't ever do that. We wouldn't dare doing that. But we'll we'll change our body, which the Bible says is not ours. Uh, so if we treat a rental car better than our bodies, then that we have an answer to that, right? Uh, and so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female created them, and he saw everything, this is Genesis 1, 27 and 31, he saw everything that uh, he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and morning was the sixth day. And so God made man and woman, and he said, it's very good, you look very good. He didn't say, well, you know, I hope they learn how to make makeup, and I hope, I hope they learn how to make hair dyed so they can look good. God said, I made you that way, and you look good. The problem is we, we, we may listen to the voices of the world. That only says we only look good when we wear these things. But God already said, you look very good the way I made you. Uh, and so um, uh, Romans, eight and tw- Romans 9 and 20, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why have you made me like this? Why have you made me like this, God? I'm going to change the way I look. And so when we alter our natural look, are we, are we kind of saying, God, why did you make me like this? You messed up. Matthew 5:36, uh, neither shalt thou swear by thy head because thou cannot make one hair white or black. The one part in the Bible where Jesus was wrong. Right? Does he really know everything? Because, you know, I, they may have white and black dye, hair dye and people can change their hair to white and black. So we don't have the uh, authority or power to change our hair. Simply, Jesus says you don't have, you can't make your, you can't change your hair color. And tying on to what Paul says that our body is not our own. So how do we have the authority to even change that? Uh, and so, uh, Proverbs sixteen thirty one: the hoary head is a crown of glory, if it be found in the way of righteousness. Hoary has a gray, the gray head. Uh, is a crown of glory. So the world will say, uh, you need a, you're getting grays, you need to cover that up to look good. But the Bible says you're getting grays, and it's saying, ah, oh, God's putting a crown on your head. You can, whatever you want. You, you want a crown, you just let your hair be the way it is, or you listen to the world and try to cover up. And so what happens if we're changing our bodies, then are we not just throwing that crown to the ground saying, God, I don't want that crown. I don't want that crown. And so, uh, obviously, uh, going into uh, if, if, if changing uh, the color of our hair is, uh, again, I, I feel like I'm not really far out on a limb going, making up some kind of crazy thoughts. I'm just bouncing off what the Bible says uh, and the spirit of it. Obviously, it doesn't specifically say, don't, thou shalt not dye your hair, although Jesus says you cannot change your hair, black or white. But going off to the spirit of it, if, if, if we are not our own, uh, you know, what, what really can we, can we change or not? Uh, and so if, if uh, addressing that, uh, the changing of the hair, then you might as well talk about the changing of the face with, with makeup and whatever else is out there. Um, it's not really mentioned much in the Bible, but it is mentioned a, a few times, and uh, the few times it's talked about is uh, it's not in a good good context. Second Kings nine and thirty, and when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. She painted her face and, and tired her head and looked out the window. So Jezebel, from what I understand, was not a godly woman. Uh, and so, but here she's painting her face for what? For what reason? Uh, so she's staring out the window trying to get the attention of uh, Jehu. And obviously that whole context 
uh, makeup doesn't seem like a good thing in that context. Uh, Hosea 2 and 2 in the, uh, the NLT version is interesting. Uh, but now bring charges against Israel. Your mother, this is talking to a backslidden Israel. Uh, bring charges against Israel, your mother, for she is no longer my wife. This is God speaking. And I am no longer her husband. Tell her to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing that exposes her breasts. It's talking about holiness all in one verse right there. Again, I'm not making this stuff up, but uh, just you believe, believe it or not, what's in the Bible is in there. It just matter if you want to look in it. So again, uh, this is God speaking to a backslidden Israel, and he gives us a definition of what makeup is, doesn't he? And so why would we, as apostolics, who are filled with the Holy Ghost, why would we want to do these things uh, if, it's, it's, if it's bad, uh, bad context in the Bible? Uh, why would we want to have those things in our life? And, and so obviously this all contradicts uh, uh, the biblical teaching, especially Paul's teaching in 1 Timothy 2 and 9, like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Shamefacedness means uh, with respect and reverence and self-restraint, um, modesty or bashfulness towards men, uh, not being bold or forward, uh, you know, in a, in a lustful way, uh, you one of the probably the purposes of makeup is is to to draw attention to yourself. So shamefacedness it doesn't mean you walk around with your head held shame down. It's no you just you're not you're not throwing yourself out there uh, to draw the attention of men. Uh, and makeup is a great tool that helps that aspect of it. And again, uh, makeup does not have a good context, a good connotation in the Bible, from what we can tell. And so we wouldn't want that in our lives. Um, and so as you stand with me tonight, um, it's, it's, uh, it's always good to find out that, uh, you know, what I'm teaching or preaching uh, is that there are others out there that believe the same thing and teach the same thing, that I'm not alone. And, and obviously I've got the word of God, that's all I need. Uh, but others out there, if you put up uh, the, that picture number one, uh, this, is, uh, this is an excerpt from uh, a book called Practical Holiness. And we'll just read it together that way, um, you know, it's not my words. The Christian is not to be content. It is to be content with the way God has made him and in position in which he has finds himself. For I have learned in whatsoever state that I am therewith to be content, Paul says in Philippians. Uh, everything God creates is good. We should not try to alter our natural, uh, our natural God-given appearance by using false colors for the face, false hair dyes, false eyelashes, or false hair. Uh, this is from a book from uh, David K. Bernard, Daniel Bernard, who is the, the bishop of our organization. So just throwing that out there. Um, uh, so we should not cover ourselves with false hair dyes, false eyelashes, false hair. Um, I might as well throw in there false nails, right? I mean, if, if we're talking about all this, how can we say, oh, I don't believe in makeup or hair dye, but uh, I wear false nails? Again, this is, I'm just reading this and thinking, well, it all seems to be together to me. And again, these are not my words. And so this is the leader of our organization. So what is wrong with the way God made us? Why be ashamed of what, uh, of what we are? Why base our identity on the outward man? Why evaluate self-worth by physical appearance? Well, I, I put these things on to make me feel good. Well, what, your identity then is in a box. At the, at the grocery store. That's that what tells you who you are. No, the Word of God tells me who I am. And He says I'm very good. Uh, and He made me just the way that I am. And so that is my standard. I don't get my identity from a box that says you need to do these directions. 
instead of accepting themselves for what they are and what God wants them to be, many mistakenly try to fight nature. The Bible teaches that gray hair is a crown of glory and a mark of beauty or splendor. Yet many people with false sense of values try to change it. Jesus taught that people could not alter uh, their hair, the color of their hair, and yet many people today try to prove him wrong. Nature itself teaches a distinction between male and female in behavior and appearance. Yet society today tries to destroy what God ordained separation. Jewelry and makeup reflect a false set of values. They overemphasize the temporal, the unimportant, the physical, and even the ungodly. One author tried to justify jewelry and makeup by saying, God does not require a, a drab and dull appearance. Why shouldn't a woman try to look nice? The extreme, that, the extreme view that God requires a dull appearance, often accompanied with dull personality, is certainly not consistent with the overall teaching of the Bible. The statement uh, actually insults both God and women and men uh, who says a woman is dull and drab unless she wears makeup and jewelry. Who says that? The world does. The people who make the product and do the commercials, they say you're not beautiful unless you buy our stuff. Do Do you think they really care how you look? Or do they just want your money? Uh, And so who says a woman's personality is dull unless she attempts to look seductive or showy? Certainly a Christian woman should seek to be attractive in both appearance and personality. However, we reject the notion that it takes cosmetics to make a woman attractive. What is wrong with God's creative uh, ability? What is wrong with natural beauty? What is wrong with the beauty that emanates from within? Uh, The movie producers in Hollywood, the fashion designers in Paris, and the advertising agencies on Madison Avenue, New York, will tell us that beauty comes from sex appeal, from bottles, from tubes, from potions, colors, dyes, and the latest fashions. But why should Christians believe this satanic deception? According to Paul and Peter, a woman develops her beauty from, uh, by concentrating on spiritual values. Man, that just sums it all up. An apostolic life, a man and woman, we're not listening to the world of how we live. We're listening to the word of God, the principles and the spirit of holiness because we want to present ourselves a a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And so we've been talking about this, the Bible, these biblical standards and uh, you know, where there's Bible standards, there's the church standards that we pastor sets, and there's our personal standards. And so um, I, I, the, the church standards, they don't seem to be so far off from Scripture that I think that men are to wear pants and women are to wear dresses below the knee and modest and not tight-fitting and not see-through and, and all these things. Why? Because we're, we're trying to bring God glory. Uh, you know, you got to watch out, uh, you know, the length of, uh, of sleeves and things, they can be, you know, we don't want to see people's uh, inside their armpits and things. I mean, that, you know, again, you just, I, I can't go down and start listing everything out because I'll miss everything. There's a principle and a spirit behind it. Let's keep ourselves covered and modest. Uh, you know, no makeup of the hair, the face, or the nails, no jewelry. We, we leave in long, uncut hair for the woman. Why? It's because we're driving us from the Bible. It's not that I've uh, made all of this stuff up. It's all found in Scripture. And so we want our bodies to be uh, glorify God. They're not even ours. They're now, they're God's now. So we're going to do our best to give God glory. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord in this beauty of holiness tonight. We thank you, Jesus, for your word and all that you're doing in our lives. Help us, Lord, to live a holy life, a life of separation unto you, God, which is our reasonable service. Hallelujah, we we take our identity in you. We look to you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You are holy, Jesus. We want to give you glory and honor. You are holy, Lord, worthy of honor and praise. You are worthy. You are worthy for 
Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We worship you, God. Help us, Lord, to bring you glory, God, in all that we do. We do in the name of the Lord, Jesus, because you have purchased us with your blood. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Help us, God, Lord, to honor you and give you praise in our words, our actions, and in our apparel and all our all that we do. Amen, amen, because everyone is, this world is looking at us, and we want to be an example of you as servants of the Most High God. Amen. Uh, and and uh, that, that section was from the book uh, Practical Holiness by David K. Bernard. He, I think he's written a few books on holiness. Uh, so if you want to become an, uh, uh, an expert on it, buy the books. Read them. He, he, he pulls it all from Scripture. If anything I know about David Bernard and his books, he tries to make sure everyone understands everything. Very simple reading. He wants everyone to understand because if we don't understand it, we're not going to believe it and follow it. And he does an incredible job with the dozens and dozens of books. Amen. And he's our great leader of our organization. Amen. And so that's what he believes. Amen. He's not some crazy guy out there. It's all from the Word of God, too. So we're living by the Word of God. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. Let's go and be a, a living, holy vessel unto the Lord.